What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And happy February, which means happy Black History Month, everybody. Welcome back to Black Month. You ready? Yay. It's February. Actually, when we are recording this, it is February 1st. It's yeah, it's literally first the first day, day of February. <laughs> of the month, woke up, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. And such a treat when it when it finally arrived. Um, so I'm still waiting on my superpowers, though. I'm not even gonna hold you. Ah, uh, if I don't get them this month, I'm moving on. I can't no, hold on. No, I can't. I. You gotta hold out hope. What if you start levitating midway through February? That would be exciting. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I, I also terrifying. Too, also very scary. I don't know what I would do if I got powers. I don't know if I should wield such powers. I don't know if it's good for me. Yeah, if you got black history powers, would you use them for good? Or do you think that you'd use them for some dastardly deeds? Here's the thing, homies. I think I'm a good person in my, (laughs) like, deep within. I'm like, I'm a good person for the most part. But I, I truly do think it would depend on the power (laughs) Um, because some of the powers it's, I would have no reason to use them for, for devious means, but some powers it's like, why not? If it doesn't hurt anyone, if I could be invisible, why not walk into the vaults of a bank? You know what I mean? Like I just, (laughs) there's certain things where it's like, why not try? Uh-huh. And just see what happens. Why not just go to your neighbor's place and figure out why they're arguing? You don't have to peep through yeah. the blinds. You could just walk on in and hear the argument front row seats. Because I'm nosy doesn't mean I'm not a good person. It, <laughs> it's The two things aren't related in that way. So, yeah, I think it would just depend on what powers I got on what I decided to do with them. But okay, I would never hurt anybody. Right, right, right. No, of course not. Of but I might not. show off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I might stun on him a little bit. I might do too much, but I'm never, it's never my intention to hurt anyone. So we'll keep you guys posted. Um, let you know if anything does happen or maybe not. Cause I don't, if it's a power I want to hide to be able to rob a bank, I'm not going to say anything, <laughs> but we'll let you know depending on what the power is. Um, but Yeah, it's February, and just a quick disclaimer before we get too far into the episode, we did want to point out a little bit about what this month is going to be looking like podcasting-wise. Now, in the past, normally all of February, we pick black horror films to cover, and we normally kind of ignore uh other themes within the month valentine's day we normally don't put a focus on that or anything like that this month is going to be a little bit different because first of all today is actually our discord decides we mm-hmm. are doing a uh, discord decides as our first episode rather than our last episode because with what episodes we did in january 
everything got pushed. So as a result, the end of January kind of got pushed into the beginning of February. So we decided to make this a Discord Decides for both month. So just a heads up for anyone who normally votes, there's not going to be another Discord Decides at the end of the month. This is it for February. We will be mm-hmm. back to uh, scheduling later. But just a heads up for you homies that this theme coincides a little bit more to January than it does February as a result. Secondly, we actually are going to do a Valentine's kind of themed episode this month. I'm going to come out point blank period and say for selfish reasons, it's just I'm doing this for me um, (laughs) because we are going to be covering something that I just knew I had to be very clever about approaching because I knew Roshane would only be open to it under the right circumstances. And Valentine's Day kind of worked out for me in that way. It did. It did. And granted, it's it's an episode slash, um, you know, coverage that we were going to do eventually. Mm-hmm. I already knew it. I, I've known it since day one, so... It's only it's only right that it finally comes to fruition um, this year. And I'd say, you know, reservations aside, I'm actually kind of pumped for it. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. it'll be I think it'll be a fun experience. I think it'll be a cool episode for everybody, for all you listeners. Uh, so I don't mind mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. I, 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 I made peace with what we're going to be doing this month. It's such a treat for me. And I'm <laughs> I simply cannot wait. I've been looking forward to this since the beginning of the year. So that is that's that on that. That's why mm-hmm. that is going to be a little bit different and why we have decided to have a bit of a themed episode for that second one. But then after that, uh we will be swinging back into regularly scheduled programming we will be getting back on track so just a heads up on why these first two episodes are maybe a little bit different than what you expected or what we've done in past years is we're just we're just focusing on some other things at the beginning of the year as far as our episodes go beginning of the year beginning of the month well both we're focusing on some other things for these first few episodes but regardless of that Another thing that we will be doing again this month are shout outs. So we will be shouting out either black content creators or accounts that highlight black horror. And so for our very first shout out, I would like to point you towards an Instagram account that we actually just started following recently, which is Black Women in Horror. So this account is um, dedicated to celebrating Black women in horror, sci-fi, thriller, fantasy movies, and television. These characters span throughout the years. You'll see some newer faces, maybe some classic older faces, some iconic characters, maybe some more obscure characters. It's always really exciting to see characters that you love and that you can relate to get that spotlight. But I think what's also nice is that this might clue you into some Black women uh, characters that you've never heard of and therefore you might get to see some new movies or tv shows that you haven't gotten a chance to check out and you may discover some characters that you love in the genre that you had no idea even existed so please go and check that account out give them some love give them a follow once again on instagram that is black women in horror 
Um, but yeah. As a completely non-horror transition, though, just because I'm hot off watching it, uh, y'all go see American Fiction, okay? I know it's not mm. a scary movie, but um, as far as black movies go, that one really put me in the February Black History Month mood. I just wanted to share that with y'all because outside of the representation, fantastic movie. So, so good. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. No, thanks. I, I do want to see that. You have been talking about it highly since you saw it. <laughs> Speaking of its praises. So I was already interested in checking it out. But yo, yo, you homies know how that goes with me. So I, I am going to try and, and see it. Whether, yeah. it. whether that means me waiting until I can just stream it. But That's true. But I mean... The Discord Decides pick for this month is on the opposite side of the spectrum because we are following a family that is, quite frankly, white as snow. Um, well, and there's one black person in this movie, <laughs> and they are an interviewer on, uh, <laughs> on a TV. On a TV show. So, hey, you know what? At least we're at a position of power in this movie. Um, but We cause Ethan Hawke's <laughs> character some grief. <laughs> some regret <laughs> um but i mean in this particular situation i don't think we want it to be present anyway because um things no. are very sinister in this eh. week's pick eh. uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's very true this is for the best because nobody within this film for the most part has a good end so yeah, it's, it's bad ends all around. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness we're not in here for, for the most part. But I guess you could kind of say our theme was New Year, New House in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, we were kind of playing around with that idea. And the winner was Sinister, which is a movie that, once again, I'm surprised it's taken us this long to cover. Um, but... I have not actually seen this movie since it came out. So, yeah, it's been a long time. I think like sometime around when this came out was the first time I watched it, too. And I think honestly, the only time I've watched it, like, I think, I'm, yeah. despite a lot of these scenes being very familiar to me, maybe due to trauma reasons, I don't really know. Um, mm. I just I don't think I've watched this movie that many times, but I very distinctly remember it. Yeah. And I don't think. I I don't know if this is the truth. So take this with a grain of salt. I think I saw this movie in theaters. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, don't quote me on that because I that might not be true. But I feel deep in my soul that I did. But and I, I think that I also have seen bits and pieces of it since then and scenes from it. But yeah, this is the first time I've watched the movie from start to finish since okay. I saw it that first time. And okay. I'm actually, I think our scare scale for this one is going to be very interesting because within the last few years, I feel like Sinister came back into the public uh, eye because of that study they did where they, do you remember that? It was like the, all over social media. Was it where they like had like the heart monitors while watching yes. scary movies? Yes, I do yes. remember that. I remember so, that. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't remember that, I had to look it up because I I couldn't remember exactly what the study entailed. But basically, they sampled fifty of the highest rated horror movies ever made, and that was based on reception. So it's based on reviews. They like scoured different websites to figure out 
what movies were the the 50 best and then they had people watch the movies the sampled films with like heart rate monitors on and sinister was did the best it raised people's heart rates the most so technically by that definition by the studies definition sinister is the scariest movie ever made by the studies definition don't these aren't my words i didn't (laughs) say this that is what they're saying because there's an increase of 32 percent uh for people's heart rates whilst watching this movie so i also like who was the sample that's what was literally what i was about to ask you who were these people though who was the group because i mean but at the same time you do have to you can't choose a bunch of horror fans because your shit's gonna be skewed you kind of have to just choose people who probably are very casual viewers true true yeah now you're right you're right but that being said i'm that means nothing to us in our scare scale (laughs) Uh, but it was just something worth mentioning i think that that's why kind of sinister had a resurgence for a little while because either people agreed with that or heavily disagreed with that and Mm -hmm. of course that's so subjective as well but for us for the homies for erica and roshane on a scare scale of one to five Five being the scariest movie ever made mm-hmm. and one being a family film. <laughs> what is Sinister for you? Well, so actually this time around, I was thinking about my scare scale ahead of time because um, I knew I would have to be a little bit more specific with this one. Because here's the thing. Sinister is a scary movie. It is a scary movie that when I saw it back when I was younger, scared the living bejesus out of me. I thought that it was an incredibly scary movie. Now, fast forward at least a decade and almost 200-ish horror movies in, my my threshold for being scared has has shifted since then, right? Right. So I'm going to try and rate this one off of what I think if I watched this movie for the first time today, what I would think it was. And okay. for that, I'm going to give it like a 3.8 out of 5. Okay. Because I think that overall this movie is very, very scary. Um, it relies on different kinds of scares, which is very nice. Um, But it does have, like, a lot of jump scares, which for me are only ever rarely effective. Granted, there are some effective ones in this one. um, But it's a lot of the, like, atmospheric stuff for me that is truly scary and sinister. And Mm. those parts, I think, are really up there, like, close to a five. But I think, like, if I had to meet somewhere in the middle, I'll, you know, I'll even be nicer. I'll just give it a blanket four. I'll say four out of five for, uh, for a theoretical first time watch of this movie okay oh man yeah this one's a little bit of a tricky one because i i do think it's scary but i i think i'm gonna rank this one i'll be a kind of around where you were at the beginning i think i'd be Mm -hmm. around like a 3.7 okay because my initial like 
my gut reaction was to go 3.5. But I think that I am carrying over some ways that I felt about it in the past because mm-hmm. I do remember this being a scary movie and I almost feel like I remember it being scarier. Right. And that's kind of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also do remember that the first time I watched it, I did think it was scary, but I do also remember thinking that it was kind of, I was a little bit disappointed in some of the ways that they played the scares. And that actually still holds for me now. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the scariest part of this movie are the tapes. Yeah. And so when I think re- beside that, I don't think that a lot of the scares are always effective for me. And I think mm-hmm. it could have been done better. However, based off of the, just off the tapes alone, I mean, I think that they were so successful with that. So I, I'm going to meet in the middle and do do like the 3.7. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I I think I would stick with like the 3.8 if I was completely immune to every jump scare this time around. But they did still get me. Even outside that's of the Super 8 film. also fair. Mm-hmm. They did still get me. And I always give bonus points if your jump scares can actually affect me. So good job. That's very fair. Yeah, I, I, I will give you that as well. Because yes, despite me knowing exactly what happens, it still kind of shook me a little. Mm-hmm. But all right, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today we are talking about Sinister from 2012. This film was directed by Scott Derrickson and co-written by Derrickson along with Robert C. Cargill and is starring Ethan Hawke as Ellison, Juliet Rylance as Tracy, Michael Hall DiDario as Trevor, and Claire Foley as Ashley. True crime writer Ellison Oswald and his family are moving into their new home in Pennsylvania in search of Ellison's next big story. Ellison became famous for his hit book, Kentucky Blood, but hasn't found success since. But the recent murder of the Stevenson family has Ellison inspired and when he uncovers a box of Super 8 films depicting the murder along with several others. He is convinced that this will be his next big hit. Insert hanging around the house, family barbecues, and mowing the lawn here. Our film concludes with Ellison discovering a trend amongst the snuff films. But, as things take a turn for the paranormal, Ellison soon realizes that he has become a part of his newest story. Also, snakes don't have feet. Roll credits. (laughs) Um, Also, this is our second movie in a row where tapes and either watching or listening back to them plays a very large role within the horrors that unfold. Yeah, it's true. Not intentional, but um, no. did kind of happen that way. Um, and also, just shout out to Deputy So-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot how much I actually enjoyed him as a character until re-watching this time around. Have you seen Sinister 2? No, here's the thing. All right, so I didn't realize that there was a Sinister 2 until Mm. finishing this rewatch. And so, like, I, of course, was curious and started to look into it. 
Um, it looks bad. Am I wrong? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, but the <laughs> but deputy so and so is like a is main, like the character main character, right? Which I do that. like that. I do. I, I am kind of hyped that that happens, and the fact that apparently he still just remains deputy so and so. Like mm -hmm. we never get this guy's name between two entire movies. Yes, he's like ex deputy so and so in the <laughs> in the second one. But Love yes, that. he is such a treat. He's a nice bit of fresh air in this film because there's a lot of animosity within our main family and everything that's going on with them is very it's not ever too heavy this isn't ever a movie where it feels so tense and stressful and and bad and mean it's not that one of those sorts of movies but it is definitely what our family is dealing with is quite serious and so it is nice to have a character who is on the outside and is only mildly involved because that allows deputy so-and-so to be more lighthearted and bring you a little bit of relief <laughs> yeah which is very welcome in this movie because there is a lot of dread a lot of dread watching like i'm not a big drinker but watching Ellison down those whiskeys while watching these snuff films had me feeling the type of way. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> Dude. Okay. Sorry. This is kind of, uh, this is on topic, but off, but, <laughs> um, cause I'm not a whiskey drinker myself. I mm -hmm. can't, I just, whiskey has never been my thing. I, if it is, it's gotta be flavored, but I can't just say I'm gonna take a whiskey or even an old fashioned. I, it's not for me. So I never get to have a drink with those big ice cubes in it because mm, I also mm -hmm. don't ever drink alcohol neat. So those are like those big, nice, fancy ice cubes are always reserved for that. I finally got a drink the other day with a big, fancy ice cube. I've never Ooh. felt so sophisticated in my life. <laughs> and like I like I saw Ellison because that's what he drinks when he drinks it out of the glass, because eventually he starts just going straight out the bottle. It's too much. Mm -hmm. Understandably <laughs> he, so. Understandable. But when he drinks it out of a glass, he has a big, fancy ice cube. And I just thought, I really, I know, hey, me and you, we're not that different. <laughs> I've had a cocktail like that myself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I will say there is kind of something to, like, the way, specifically, at least in this movie, the way that Ellison downs his whiskey makes it look very tasty i also do not like whiskey neat or whiskey by itself but mm -hmm. there's just something about like i don't know he's got this noir energy to him as he's yes. like watching these super eight films and you just you hear the clink of the ice in the glass as he's just yes. down in it. it 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 i don't know it just feels like a commercial and i want to be mm -hmm. in it not the you know the snuff film part of it but like every other Correct. part of it feels just mature and sophisticated and all that stuff like it's a good adult sell. Very mm -hmm. adult very grown up yeah i like that i like that a lot but you know he really is dealing with some hard shit so that's like the only thing that you want maybe is a nice drink <laughs> but roshane Mm -hmm. What is in your notebook? All right. So the first thing I got here is um, not the nooses, which also it being the first note of February feels bad. But <laughs> it's also the first scene that yeah. we get in this movie is the death of the Stevenson family um, as they are hung from a tree. Mm -hmm. um, one, of course, it's just like 
for obvious reasons, that particular imagery is always very effective on me just because it just like it, you know, it, it tackles a very specific part of my brain that is uncomfortable. But outside of just that, I think the way that this scene plays out is very effective for the mood of things mm-hmm. in Sinister because it's like it's the combination of the imagery plus the great sound design, which I think honestly blankets this entire film like everything that you hear in this movie is like very very effective i don't know how you did your rewatch but i was watching on my computer with my headphones on and just every sound was as loud as i think they were intended to be and it really had me jumping in a lot of places but also in these moments especially in like the super eight cuts um the music is the music and the sounds are particularly eerie mm-hmm. and just kind of sitting there on your computer watching the scene play out and hearing all the sounds it was it was hella effective for me like i yeah. i give them kudos for that opening sequence cuz it's disturbing but it works and it works that in like a good way for sick. this movie it's a sick opening sequence that's what i wrote cuz i i it's cool it leads you into exactly what you need to know about the inciting incident in this film because a the fact that it is the super eight film which plays such a big role i think it's cool to start with that Mm -hmm. we do get to see this in further detail later on which is kind of cool i love that the title card comes out kind of burned out in the corner of it and also by seeing this you know exactly what you need to know when we then cut to later and see that same tree in the backyard. And we realize as the audience, oh shit, they're living in the same house, even though some of our characters don't know that yet. So Mm -hmm. it was a nice way of showing us some information that's very important for the next scene. Yeah. With it rather than telling us. And yeah, it's just a very striking image. It kind of right off the bat, starting the movie with, that many people being killed all at once in such an elaborate way is one of those things I think that just gets you immediately, if nothing else, intrigued by what this is, what this is going to be, and kind of holds your attention. I think especially because we see that this is a family getting killed and then we jump right into a family moving moving in. in. Yeah immediately not great (laughs) red flags also my next note i said if there's one thing ellison is gonna do he's gonna wear a cardigan because (laughs) that is one thing that i remembered from this movie is that ellison is consistently in that fucking cardigan there's nothing wrong with it it's just something that i know it gives me the same feeling as one thing i'm gonna remember about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is fucking Charlie in that red turtleneck <laughs> that pisses me off. And Ellison is always going to be in that cardigan. It's so funny to me. I feel like when movies, a Hollywood version of a writer, they will always put that man in a cardigan. No matter mm-hmm. what. They said, oh, he's a writer. Go ahead and give him a comfy little cozy cardigan. Well, you got to be comfy and cozy when you're writing about true crime, Erica. Obviously, (laughs) when you're writing about grisly murders, nothing takes the edge off like a glass of whiskey and a nice cozy cardigan. (laughs) True, true. Um, Okay, so 
great opening aside and also i think it's kind of common knowledge at this point but just to kind of echo it yes all the super 8 film in this film shot on actual super 8 film Mm -hmm. which is super cool um but moving into our family here with we got ethan hawk as ellison which first off i love ethan hawk as an actor like i love his acting style it always comes across very naturalistic to me Mm -hmm. however with the roles that this man picks, I just can't trust this guy, man. Whenever he's on screen, I just always think he's up to no good in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, especially after Black Phone now, I definitely can't trust this oh, fool. But So good. Yeah. And in this one, obviously, he's the pr- protagonist. But also, he kind of is can't be trusted in this one Exactly. <laughs> Even when he's the good guy, you can't trust him. Yeah. He always has some little slimy secrets in the background. <laughs> um but still i mean love is acting all and throughout this movie uh but okay so the whole setup to this is um ellison he's a writer he's had one great hit true crime book has been chasing that high ever mm. since it's been 10 Kentucky years now blood yeah it's been a hot second and so he has now moved his family who completely unknowingly by the way um, moved his family into the house where the Stevenson family was killed mm-hmm. and is using this particular case as a jumping off point for his new book. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to five, how pissed would you have been to be Ellison's wife and find out this information? <laughs> I'm off the scales. I'm a seven. <laughs> be- and you know what? She is much more gracious than I think he is deserving of at mm-hmm. times. Because she obviously loves him very much. She loves her family very much. And she wants him to do well. But I'll be damned if you lie to me about us moving into a house that people were murdered in. A full fucking family was murdered in. Hung deliberately outside (laughs) in our backyard. And the daughter is missing. You move me and my kids into this home and everybody knows about it. And that's like her biggest contention is that it's not even just the idea that, oh, people have died in this house and you didn't know that. Ellison and what he does has a reputation. His reputation precedes him, we'll say. And... As a result, wherever he mo- wherever he's at, people who live there know that he is writing a book, presumably about something horrible that happened in this place. And that is not well received by not only the police department of that town, but also the citizens of that town who are probably very close to the murder and probably feel some type of way about someone from the outside coming out trying to unravel it and add in their two cents about it. And so his family suffers a lot for that. His kids kind of get taunted at school. They get told the gruesome details, whether they want to or not. And his wife also has to deal with it when she goes out and about. So fuck him. I I really just, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's just the way that and we'll obviously continue to discuss it because i think there is a heightening to ellison's desperation throughout this film and in the beginning it's not so bad but one thing about ellison is that he acts like he's doing this for justice which is not the truth it it is maybe 
a bit of it, but he wants the money and the fame yeah. and the and the legacy. Like that's what's important to him. Yeah, maybe and, it started about the justice back yeah. before Kentucky Blood, but post Kentucky Blood, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. The two flops have really gotten to him, and he. <laughs> And now, granted, yes, they need money. They they couldn't afford to live in their house anymore. But which, which also makes sense when we finally see that fucking house that they're living in. Excuse oh, me, the, the manor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Not that Scooby Doo mystery manor. And he's like, yeah, I couldn't make payments. It's like, well, why did you buy a house with seventy five rooms when there's only four of you anyway? But he does say, okay, here's the thing. You should go after your dreams, right? Like, that's important. But there is a point in time where sometimes you have to swallow your pride and do things you don't want to do. And multiple times it is mentioned that he could afford the house if he just wrote things that he didn't really want to write. And it's uh -huh. like, well, what's wrong with doing that just to supplement your income until you can start to write the books you want to write again? Also, something about Ellison that we'll find out is... There is a reason that some people have turned on him. It seems after Kentucky Blood, which actually did help whatever case he was writing about, was actually helpful, that he maybe chased that high and similarly to Icarus flew a little too close to the sun <laughs> and started accusing people because he believed that maybe they had done it and he was wrong. And as a result, maybe falsely accused someone and allowed someone else to go free because he wrote things in his book that weren't true. Yeah, he kind of that he thought influence. was true. Yeah. Right. And we even get that through the officer, which I, you know, I like what they do with the sheriff um, because in this beginning sequence, we still have Ellison set up as our protagonist. So uh -huh. he come, he, the, the officer just comes across as kind of a dick. But once you start getting all of the information about like Ellison and his past and like why the officer would feel that way, mm -hmm. he starts to make a lot more sense in like his energy and kind of the way that he approaches this guy moving in. And like, there's I, like I actually rewatched that scene and like the first time I watched it, I was like, you know, fuck you, Popo. And then the second mm -hmm. time I watched it, I was like listening to what he was really saying. And like towards the end of the whole interaction, him talking about how it's in bad taste for them to move into that house. Yeah, that's that's some real shit. And like, I understand so where he's true. coming from there, like book stuff aside and all of that. Like you mentioned before, there's probably people in this town that knew the Stevenson family mm -hmm. were very close to this on a personal level. And just to see this kind of what m some people might consider like Hollywood writer come in and just move into the house where this poor family was presumably murdered just mm -hmm. to attempt to write another book that that I could see how that would leave a sour taste in people's mouths. Yeah. The disrespect cannot stand. And the fact that. Yeah, it's like the sheriff even says, he's like, you got it right with Kentucky Blood. Like, that was a good book. I liked that book a lot. He gives him credit where credit is due. But yeah, he's upset because what if that were to happen again, where Ellison writes about this horrible thing that has happened? And not only that, there's like a girl missing and the sheriff is fairly convinced that she probably is no longer alive due to the evidence that they have. 
And Ellison does not believe that. And like, okay, but what what am I supposed to do if you write something and you, you know, you write that there's a serial killer, which is what Ellison thinks. What if right. he wrote that? And then everybody in this town is like, oh, there's a serial killer. That's not true. That's not what happens. Now, I will say he does investigate. It's not like he just goes in there and immediately starts writing whatever the fuck. He, he is investigating, but it is a slippery slope. It, it is tricky. And, and I think it's especially hard, yeah, when you have this person who is seeing this more as a dollar sign scenario than real people who got murdered and i think that's yeah. the thing too that is a little bit hard for um tracy his wife to deal with as well is that she really really wants to keep all of that separate from their family like the grisly gruesome details and like that's very upsetting to her mm-hmm. in a way that it no longer is to ellison because he's been doing this for so long he's a little bit desensitized to it and that's upsetting to her that he doesn't view these things kind of in the same way that she does. Cause it's like, even with her kids, he's like, who cares? Like bad things happen to good people. They should know. And she understands that, but she also makes the point of, well, yes, but do they have to know about it in such great detail? (laughs) Yeah. And like, and that's what I really enjoy about a lot of the characters that kind of um, blanket this whole film is they all have their own motivations that mm-hmm. seem very grounded and realistic, even when they're at odds with e- with each other. Um, because I absolutely love the chemistry between Tracy and Ellison. I mean, one, mm-hmm. just Juliet and Ethan just play off of each other very well in both like the kind sweet scenes and in some of the later scenes when they're fighting like i feel like all of those just read really well because of their chemistry um but also yeah their their povs all make sense even like ellison Mm -hmm. who like the longer you hang out with him the more you can kind of like side eye him and like his motivations you still know that like he is chasing something that is important to him whether right. it is to the benefit of everyone around him, whole different conversation. But to Ellison, what he's doing is vitally important. And like he truly does believe that. And as you were mentioning before with Tracy, like she loves Ellison, like mm-hmm. truly and dearly. And she loves the family. And despite that, though, she still has her ho- her own POV on the situation. She is supportive, but with boundaries, right? And she is supportive enough to allow Ellison the freedom to chase his dreams, but also grounded enough to be like realistic with him. Like even with some of the Mm -hmm. jokes that she makes about like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, I'm moving back in with my sister and like stuff like that. Um, I think that it's played in a way that is believable where it's like, yeah, I can joke about this, but also it's been 10 years, bro. Like, we're raising a family like we need to we need to be realistic about what we're doing here and so that for me causes a very natural progression to the animosity to the conflict between these characters Mm -hmm. and i think the realism behind all of the people that exist in this movie is for me what make like the snuff film portions so effective because it's like 
it feels so real. And right. that is the part that's extremely frightening to me. Right. Well, and I forgot how quickly we just jump into so many of the tapes. Yeah. I remember them being fairly spread out, but he watches three of them basically back to back to back, then watches another one, and then we save the best for last. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, he finds this box along with a scorpion, little scorpion of a ghoul, apparently, mm -hmm. taken, taken many forms, but... He finds a scorpion and then he finds the box and he does go to call the police with the evidence that he has and then changes his mind because once again, the police are not exactly his number one book club fans. And so then he kind of decides, actually, no, I am going to just investigate this on my own and figure it out on my own, which despite being a like rar gur just call them moment makes a lot of sense because this is what he came here to do he did come yeah. here to investigate this and honestly from his perspective it's probably better to do it on his own than to try and work with the police because there is not a great relationship there. I mean, the sheriff yeah. is very clear about that, but also too be better for his book. The things that he could because it's like he would get all the glory for that if he figured exactly. it out on his own. That makes well makes such a better book than to have the assistance of the police department. Oh yeah, it's like a news reporter syndrome where it's like you want to be the first person to have that scoop by whatever yeah. means necessary. Um, and likewise too, as you're saying, they would probably just kick him off the case the moment that he calls them. Like they take right. all the evidence and be like, "All right, we got it from here," and then that would be the end of it. So yeah. It, absolutely makes a lot of sense why he chooses what he chooses to do um and also funny enough probably saved a lot of officers lives potentially because mm -hmm. <laughs> we do find out later on that it's these videos themselves that are cursed so by spreading these to more people he may have just been sp spreading his bagul everywhere right bagooling all over the place Just <laughs> <His> bagooling <laughs> all over so in a way he kind of is doing them a favor by not showing them the vids mm -hmm. um in a very selfish way but still right in a in a <laughs> in a way of oh shit yeah i gotta write a bestseller let me keep this to myself but mm -hmm. we jump into our our first tapes which these are snuff films that ellison is watching mm -hmm. um and he is bothered by that but not nearly as bothered as I feel this man should be. Now, I want to be clear that that is a character choice. It's not mm -hmm. like Ethan Hawke is not acting it well. But it is just the fact of, like I said, Ellison is kind of desensitized to this stuff a little bit. It's yeah. still very distressing and like worrying to him. But it is the fact that he's just kicked his legs up and... Is having yeah, a little, it's kind of like <laughs> a little whiskey, <laughs> a little whiskey, like while he's watching these movies. The fact that he kind of mirrors Leo and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <laughs> the meme of him <laughs> on the couch, is not the greatest, no. But I also understand why his character would be desensitized, though. Right. Um, granted, we haven't like seen footage of him before, like watching stuff like this, right? But from the jump, he's like pulling out like photographs of like the dead family's body and like mm -hmm. looking at evidence and stuff like that. And he is a true crime writer. So I think there is a level of 
understanding that he would be desensitized to this kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I like, I see where you're coming from, but I'm also just like, I could also see this character like not being too affected. And yeah. at least for me as a viewer, I do think with Ethan Hawke's performance, like there is something to like him, you know, turning to the alcohol and like, he does have some bigger reactions to some of the later films that for me, for clue sure. me into his emotional state at the time. Um, also, I think it's very cool that Ethan Hawke didn't see the snuff films until yeah. they recorded. So these are all like pure reactions that we're kind of getting from him in character. Mm -hmm. I That plays for me and that does read. Um, but yeah, no, nah, if it was like if I was in that chair, bro, the the, the film would have been chucked out the window <laughs> immediately. <laughs> immediately. I would have kept maybe the one with the Stevenson family because that's the the important one <laughs> yeah but i don't know about all those others and also too i think it's an interesting thing where he is a father and so you can see that the things that really affects him are the kids like yeah. when he sees the kids getting hurt in the mm -hmm. the videos i feel like that upsets him like you can see the level of how that distresses him compared to when he's just watching everything else play out he's obviously still upset but it's just something different because these are kids that are his kids age right. and since they move in weird things start happening with the kids let's talk about trevor in the box <laughs> yeah let's talk about trevor in the box out of the box <laughs> out, out of the box, of the box. <laughs> yeah that so i think that sequence for me probably would have played better if i didn't know that it was gonna happen you know because mm -hmm. like that's one part that's like in the trailer for the film which we rewatched, um and it's also one of the parts that i do remember from the first time I watched it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like particularly scary to me, but it is one of those moments, like several other in this movie, where it's the sound design that gets right. me. Because his scream is pretty terrifying. I do give him it that. It is. And it's, I think it's the surprise of it being Trevor. Because mm -hmm. why the why are you in a box? Yeah, why because the fuck are you in we this find box? out later that he has night terrors where he'll just kind of walk out and end up in these strange places while he's asleep and then he won't remember any of it. And at the same time, he's having a nightmare, which is why he's screaming and he's upset. But we don't know that at all at this point. And so he backbends out of a box and it just feels so strange. And it surprises Allison at first, but then he reacts in a way of, oh, God, like, okay, I know what I need to do. Yeah. Also, there's so much stuff happening in this house all the time. It's so loud. And I need... Tracy, I feel like I would have been up and at him <laughs> way sooner than she comes out. Maybe she was scared because I don't even know what I would have done if I had heard all of that commotion. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a big thing. It's 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 a scary moment because, yeah, like you said, it's not necessarily a terrifying jump scare because even just the way that he comes out and backbends, it's it's slow. Yeah. It, but it's just the the weirdness to it. There's something off-putting and strange about it. And then, yeah, the he just starts screaming in this way that at first feels very inhuman. But I think it's just because we've finished watching those tapes and everything feels creepy now. Everything feels off. And, and even in the tapes, like you said, there's the sound design 
where it all feels something about it just is off-putting to your ears Mm-hmm. It's like this very rhythmic, strange beat to it, and it kind yeah, of feels very, like, like culty and like yeah, and it's like kind of mixed with the role of the film, and then you kind of hear like little kid voices if, if you listen really hard, and everything about it just is 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 strange, and so I think going straight from that into Trevor. It's like, what is really going on? It really just, <laughs> it really is one of those moments where you just, I would have had to pack my shit up that night. And honestly, that's one of my favorite things about Tracy is she does not waste time. It's, as soon as things feel a little bit off, she said, let's get the fuck out of here. And I yeah, like that. No I like that she, she wasn't willing to mess around with her family and like their health and their, whether that be mental or physical. I like that she thought that's, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I'm no, about ready to pack it in. <laughs> and I do think the movie does a great job of slowly heightening the level of weird, spooky stuff that's happening. Um, yeah. I think that the progression is very good. But I got to call you out on this one, Ellison, because even as somebody that doesn't believe in all this hoity-toity paranormal, what have you, um, the moment your video, your Super 8 video starts playing on its own. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the moment you find those Super 8 in general, but no, the moment like the film starts playing every single night by itself when Mm -hmm. everyone else is clearly asleep. Of course, he, like, confides later on to Deputy So-and-so that, like, yeah, that was kind of weird. Like, that's the moment when I'm like, nah, it's a wrap. It's an yeah. absolute wrap. We're leaving. Mm-hmm. Even the And then the thing with the attic. With the attic hearing, stuff. It's hearing, just like, you, you had too many paranormal instances, even as a skeptic, to still be staying in that house. I'm sorry. And I'm... Okay, so going even back to the tapes, if it's, if this is the idea that it's a serial killer, I don't want to be on their radar at all. And I just feel like Ellison moving into that house, moving into the town, that's going to cause a big commotion. And yeah. so I think especially seeing the tapes, and because from the perspective of what he's thinking it could be, it feels like someone has been stalking these families because each tape starts with a normal, happy family outing or just day-to-day activity mm-hmm. and then it cuts to something horrible and the family being murdered and it's still being filmed if if that were just a human being doing that i i just think you're opening yourself up to just some shenanigans yeah. some shenanery one of the first things he says is the fact that like okay so you had to bring this back to the house <laughs> Why? Yeah. That implies Why? the fact the fool knows where you are, bro. What do you mean? He can get into your house, bro. <laughs> and now you're here, footsteps in the attic. Come I on, mean, Allison. Come on, my guy. I is it worth it? <laughs> is for the him? book? Yes. The, the, the answer is always yes for Allison. But the fact that he has to move his whole family, which is main the main contention that his children have. Is that mm-hmm. they get moved around a lot. They don't get to stay at the schools that they like. And they have to make all new friends. But really the kids at school don't really like them. And 
that's kind of a big thing for the kids and sort of the animosity that they have towards their parents. Um, and the mom has to deal with that a lot. Ellison is like, I'm a good father. I, but I'm like, I haven't seen it because he's barely around. Yeah. Like his, the mom does every, like a he's lot for He's around for, for dinner them. and then he's in his study. Those are his two, his two methods yeah. of living. He literally like basically slams the door in his daughter's face. Mm-hmm. When she brings him a copy, he said, thanks, babe. <laughs> like, <laughs> closes the door immediately. <laughs> yeah, pretty heartless. Um, <laughs> also, really quickly, because, like, I don't necessarily think we need to spend too much time on it. I'm assuming we have the same opinion here. Um, but with the snuff films, granted, they're obviously effective in the way that they're shot. But they're also very creative, I think, in, like, how they're shot the and kind of the stuff oh, that's mm-hmm. in them. Yeah. Um. I, for one, I love the whole like not wanting to show the kid get killed, so they like, sh- or not wanting to show the throats get slit, so you yeah. like see it through his glasses. Stuff like all of that stuff is awesome. But bar none, no questions asked. The lawnmower is the is, is it's the best. Is the wor- one. It's both the best and worst one. Absolutely, it's the best one. It's the <laughs> one that you remember the most. It's the biggest jump scare of the movie. And it's the one that is the most surprising. I knew with 100% certainty going into that film what was going to happen. Yeah. I I knew. Still got me. And I'm sure oh, if yeah. I watched it, would still get me again. There's just something about it that is so freaking terrifying that it is just... It has a 100% hit rate. Gets me every single time. <laughs> it's the timing of it. The timing mm-hmm. is off because normally with a jump scare, you can anticipate the timing and you just know exactly, oh, okay, this many beats has happened. Then on this sixth beat, It'll here it is. This one is off. It's like an uneven timing. The In every other instance of these films, we've seen the members of the family very clearly. We've seen them strung up, ready to be put into the pool. We've seen them chained up in the car. And so the surprise is more just like, oh, okay, how are they going to be killed? Whereas in this one, we see the murder weapon first. Mm -hmm. We can't see the family at all. And then all of a sudden, here's a head. Not only is there a head, but there's a musical cue that is so fucking loud that it'll blow your wig back. It's just, <laughs> it's so good together. Both of those things combined together. I think no matter how much you anticipate it, the timing of it is always going to throw you off just because it's such a, it's such a shock to your it's senses. Su- it's such a shock. And whether or not this is the most, the scariest movie of all time, you know what? Up to debate. That's sample size mm-hmm. stuff. But this for me definitely is one of the most effective jump scares I've ever, I've ever seen to this day. It's so it's so good i think that one to me is is definitely what this sort of a medium as far as the tapes like that to me is perfect for this sort of a filming style mm-hmm. and because it's the it's the small pin prick of light that you get on those super eight films that i think is also very very suspenseful in and of itself and that works really well for these kills but yeah that one specifically is is horrifying and honestly that's it's funny because that's the one that we see the least the of. least of we barely get to see the aftermath of that but you don't have to because the 
the knowledge of what happens to that family that we just saw having a fun time on their couch watching TV earlier is is more than enough for for that one to feel so horrific. But yeah, I mean, I think all of the kills in the in these films are very creative and very scary. And I love how they tie into the names where it feels like something happy and normal, but then takes this horrible turn. Mm -hmm. And all could reasonably done be done by a child. And yeah, I, I think that they all are just really creative, but not too over the top gory. Right. And that I think is a fine line to still be a death that feels so painful and horrific and horrifying to see without being over the top gory. But like nobody wants to drown. Nobody wants to burn alive. Like none of these things are things that people want to happen. And so then seeing them happen is an, it's so scary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just wanted to get that out of the way because mm -hmm. like, of course they are a big part of this movie. Um, and I mean, through the film and through some like auxiliary characters, we do find out that like this Bagul demonic essence, whatever, whoever this creature is, does kind of live within the films. So mm -hmm. it's like they in a, of themselves are a character. Um, but in the realm of scares, since we just talked about the Super 8 films, there is a sequence with the scary children once they get introduced that I want to ask you, did that portion work for you? Why or why not? Are you talking about when they when with he's the going dog around the house or with the, the hallway? Bat. The when he's when he's going around with the bat and you're getting like the the little kid jump scares and the slow mo um, running away. Yeah, I hate this sequence. Okay, okay, cool. cool I cool. have always hated the sequence. I think it's so so. There's something so corny about it <laughs> okay okay all right now you, you you're speaking things that i needed to hear please continue continue yes, because okay we get a sequence with the ghost children earlier that i actually prefer which is with the dog and yeah, when they're just kind one. of standing behind ellison and we see them all i think that that is much more effective in the short spurts of them is so much better than seeing too much of them and in this sequence it feels first of all it slows the movie down so much because we have to give each kid a moment and mm -hmm. it's the way that they're moving don't make me laugh don't make <laughs> me laugh because why are they running in slow motion why are they popping up in this way what benefit what story-wise why the fuck are they here? And like, why are they in his face? They're hunched over and then they run off. And it, this is the sequence to me that feels the most, this is a movie and we're putting this in here to- For movie reasons. For movie reasons. Nothing else because they could have not had any of that happen. We could have just maybe heard noises Mm -hmm. And heard maybe like a kid laughing and, and stuff that leads him around the house. We still could have kept her being in the daughter's bedroom and shushing her. Mm -hmm. I think that that's all we would have needed is maybe yeah. just her. Because in the, at the end of the day, for the story that we're telling with their family and for the story with Ashley, the little girl, Stephanie. Stephanie? 
yeah. that is missing from the Stevenson's family is important. But mm-hmm. all the other kids are not as important like, to what's happening right now. Yeah, they're important to the grand scheme of things, yes. but not to this specific moment. And I agree with you. And I just needed a little bit of validation in that way because I do enjoy this film a lot, but that sequence always bugs me. Yeah. And part of partially it's because that for me is where the jump scares don't work, where it's just yes. like these feel like the typical Hollywood jump scares. Um, but even with the first one where we see Stephanie, Stephanie's face pop up, that one to me reads like, ah, jump scare, but whatever. I could forgive that one. Mm-hmm. And continue on. But it's having them happen right oh after each other, like yeah. over and over again for such a long period of time. It just feels taxing and it yes. looks silly. The one part of it that I did like this time around, though, is a bit of the implication that we have Ellison hearing sounds throughout his house for the whole movie, and he never can tell what exactly it is. And there is something that I do enjoy about the timing and sequencing of the kids running away, where it's like you can imagine from his perspective and in most horror movie perspectives, the character is hearing a sound off screen that they cannot see. And when they turn to look, there is nothing there. But Mm -hmm. what is there during that moment that we and the character typically don't see? Mm -hmm. They're playing with that. And I like that they're playing with that. Sure. But in this instance, I didn't need to see it because it looks silly. No. It looks so ridiculous. Especially the little girl on the rain slicker. And like mm-hmm. they zoom in on her face and then she's standing in the back of the hallway behind Ellison. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> it it and also too, I think another aspect of it that has always pissed me off that feels so separate than the rest of the film is that in most of our sequences, it's very dark. And so then there's a lot of stuff you can't see. And then you're relying on like a little bit of light to from Allison's phone or what have you to to try and see where you're going. And then you're thinking of what's all in the shadows. And it's like that for the majority of the film, except for in this scene. Where is that moonlight coming from? It's like <laughs> Luna from Bear in the Big Blue House. It's lighting up the whole sky and it's like spreading through the house because you have to have light in this scene so you can see the kids. The lighting is never like that for the rest of the film. And it feels so... I don't know if they were trying to have like an otherworldly aspect to it like oh now we're in their dimension is like mixing over with our dimension but it plays very poorly and is one of the weakest points of this film and and yeah i guess going off of that we can talk about some of the my thing that i said earlier about how some of the jump scares i i think just don't play as well Mm -hmm. this is one of those instances for me another one of those instances is I remember, so when Bagul is on the computer screen and looks out, I remember Mm -hmm. that being much more effective and, like, cooler Uh when I saw it, and it just was not for me this time. I will will, um, push against that one a little bit, just because I expected it to be less effective this time, Mm -hmm. but I actually still liked it this time around. Um, 
maybe because my perception of it wasn't necessarily scary, but just like creepy. Like the effect to me and when it happens and the timing sequencing of it, that part's actually fine with me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I That doesn't bug me at all. And even a lot of the Bagul jump scares where it's like either film or picture related, I was still cool with, despite the fact that I knew where all of them were and yeah. 90% of them are in the trailer for the movie. I still was cool with them. The ones that I wasn't cool with were all the in the IRL Bagul jump scares. Every time that yeah. he's in the real world, every time he's popping in from screen left just to show his face, which, by the way, he looks like like a heavy metal singer. <laughs> like, I feel like he could be yeah. in, like, Slipknot or something. Like he, The Crow, yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> like... <laughs> That 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 was that was the one thing about Bagul this time around is just like his character design. Maybe when I was younger, frightened me. As an adult, he there is no scare to me whatsoever, mm. personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, when he's like in like in photos and in videos and doing jump scares there, I was okay with it. But for me, it was like when he would exit yeah. those realms where it became less effective. Yeah, I think he looks super terrifying in the photos. When Ellison is like, enhance, maximize, and then you can like see his face. I think that those are actually great. Mm -hmm. And especially the one where he's in the pool and he's kind of distorted under the water. It looks so scary. And I feel like it plays so well because you only can see so much of him. And he's kind of always feels like this presence. Yeah. That you like always just a little bit off screen, but you know it's there. Bagul's that one scary character that is terrifying when my glasses aren't on you know what i'm saying yes. <laughs> he's the shadow in my room when i wake up in the middle of the night and i forgot that i hung yeah. my coat up right you put the glasses on it's a peacoat <laughs> and you feel embarrassed <laughs> that is bagul but i i think what it was about that one scene that i was just talking about is i i i remember it being a bit more of a definitive him turning and then continuing to look at the camera, even when Ellison turned back in a way of, oh, was he always facing this direction? Oh, or, I see, I see. That's what I remembered it being. So having him look over and then look back felt really s- silly to me. It was it, like Bagul was like, hey, and then turned <laughs> back around. That's what, which I now granted that was me imagining things a certain way and then being disappointed when they weren't that way, uh-huh. which is partly on me. But I do think that that, yeah, maybe it has a little bit to do with what you're saying, where Bagul's presence in the real world is not as strong as his presence when you just see him in in like a picture or in a video and you yeah. can only see him so much. There's something really strong about that. And I actually am gonna I don't mind Bagul's design. I actually think that it it's it's a cool look uh and it's different i think than maybe what you would be expecting for something like this i think i like it because it kind of reminds me of like a character that maybe you would see on like buffy like one of the demons on there Mm, it has a very kind of clat like 90s feel to it for me which i like um i think though i feel like outside of the super eights I do think that sometimes they didn't know what to do with 
bringing Bagul into the real world, bringing these ghosts into the real world. It feels like at sometimes we put much more thought into the films, which is makes a lot of sense yeah. because that is such a big aspect of it. But for me, it stumbles the most when they're then brought in to like an Ellison seeing them in real life. I don't always love those moments. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, but what I do like is that although like the paranormal stuff amps up, the scares do also amp up as well. I really enjoy the trajectory that the story takes towards the latter half. Um, once again, we're just taking a quick moment to shout out that uh, parental spat that they have just because that sequence to me is awesome. I think that mm -hmm. that their their argument is just such a great acting sequence. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's this decision that Ellison finally decides to make to leave that I really enjoy and I feel is different where it's mm -hmm. like in this kind of situation, I feel like in every kind of movie similar to this before the characters would remain into this in the situation until like their lives were in actual mortal peril. I feel like the characters would just stay in there in whatever spot that they're in. But in this instance, we do have Ellison have a change of heart that isn't fake. That isn't like a fake out change of heart. Mm -hmm. He genuinely is like, no, this has gone too far. I need to get my family out of here and get everyone to safety and things still go wrong. That's one of the parts I love about this movie. One of yeah. my favorite bits, actually. But it's and it's interesting, though, because. This is one time where you think, yes. That's such a good choice. Let's go. Let's move. Thank you, Allison. This is the one movie where that's the worst decision you can make. It's the is worst to decision leave. you can make. Because that's actually the thing that pushes the Bagul's next phase of the plan where your family gets killed and then he takes your child. That is the pattern that we that deputy so-and-so finds out is that after every family moved, despite how long they had maybe lived in the previous house, because it was like every person that had been affected had lived in the, the house that a, a family was previously murdered in. No matter how long they lived there, that wasn't the issue. It's when they move because that's how it spreads. Is it like moves from place to place to place? And that's like how the tapes get spread is that it like connects to the family and then is like basically then planted into the next house. And right. so by doing what is the, the right thing to do from an <laughs> outside perspective, what you always want the family to do, Ellison actually basically signs all of his family's death certificates because now it's a wrap. They're done. They're yeah. done <laughs> because and it's pretty quick too. The, yeah. Like, well, based on what we can tell, like movie runtime wise, it's quick. I don't know exactly how long they're moved back into their old place. I'm not sure if it it's, actually ever says. It seems like honestly, it's probably it probably happens either the next night. So they get back to the house. They send for the movers to go pick their stuff up the next day. And then when it happens, they're actively moving their stuff back mm. into the house. So it probably was in the next few days. 
mm-hmm. because the movers had to have time to like bring them their shit. But yeah, it's like they're still unpacking when it happens. Mm-hmm. And just like the transition into it, I think is just so eerie and so good. Um, of course, it gets revealed that B- Bagul, um, well, what really kind of turns all this, like we get the information about the connection between the families and then mm-hmm. the box reappears, but the box reappears with the extended cuts. <laughs> Wait, <where> I'm <laughs> sorry. I hate that it's just written on the envelope like that. <laughs> It's it's so silly. It is so silly, but it is what it is. We get the extended cuts, and in these extended cuts, these uh, DVD directs, um, we find out that it's the kids. Um, typically, it seems like the youngest kid in the family is the one responsible for the murders. Um, possibly, I, because some of them, like some of the sons, are thirteen and mm. seemingly older. I think it could pot like I think it could potentially be any of the kids because I was gonna ask you, do you think that there might have been a point in time where it could have either it could have been Trevor it, it or could have been Trevor Ashley, Me- but I just feel like Ashley fits what they were because the kid has to be convinced that's the mm-hmm. thing, and I feel right. like Ashley was just more susceptible to it because she missed her friends. And then mm. here's this little girl who's like basically the same age as her mm-hmm. who maybe feels like a friend. And like there's this whole thing about pictures and how that's important. And like Ashley's the the artist of the, the, artist family. Of the family because I wonder if Trevor's nightmares ramping up is part of maybe he was also being influenced by it, but just wasn't remembering that yeah. he was having there- these dreams and stuff potentially yeah you could be right on that because we also like when we get like the photo bagul scare um it turns out to be trevor who's outside during that sequence Mm -hmm. so maybe it was just like he was kind of sussing out which of these two would be the better fit yeah um regardless we do land on ashley as our catalyst character uh who drugs her dad and then (laughs) and then he he wakes up tied to the ground or you know tied up on the ground the rest of the family is also tied up presumably knocked out and here comes ashley wielding an axe and there is just for me at least a certain level of dread to this setup that i think is fantastic because we never get to see this murder but it still for me is just as effective as all the other snuff ones that we find Mm -hmm. one partially because of the bar that ashley drops her last line being, don't worry, daddy, I'll make you famous again. Don't worry, daddy, I'll make you famous again. That's crazy. Bruh. Bruh. That was crazy. You didn't have to do them dirty like that. That was no. that, that was going overboard, be, above and beyond with the murder. Um, she had been cooking that one up all day. <laughs> just been thinking, like, when he wakes up, I got a bar for this man um but that part's terrifying and then the fact that you don't see it but you see the um implied aftermath with all the blood all over the walls Mm. and then you see the drawing of Mm. what she did to the family i think that that was just great and And, just a great idea it just hits all the notes that you needed to hit with once again showing that you don't actually need to show all of the gruesome goriness to still get that energy across i freaking loved it 
and the fact that she cut them in half. I thought she would maybe cut their heads off, which would be a faster death. But she cut them in half, which she she cuts them in several places. She like yeah. chops them to pieces, uh, which presumably is unfortunate because that means that they probably didn't die right away. Mm. I yeah 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 yeah. It's <laughs> it's um it's one of those things where I do like the way that everything unfolds with this reveal because there is a. Uh, we do have our character of expertise who kind of yeah. has to give us our information. I actually don't mind it that much in this movie. Um, usually it can like irritate me sometimes, but I think that they utilize him as little as possible and just enough to at least let us know what's going on. And, and it makes, I like how he gets pulled into the story as well. Um, Honestly, mainly Deputy So and So is actually our helpful, our helpful aid for mm -hmm. quite a bit of things. But yeah, it's the the lead up to the information and discovery is just enough timing for me. I think it works, and the implication of what happens to the family once again, we don't always see. There is part of me that kind of wishes that they like started and then like had already been doing it, and then like went to um like ended with him like started with the wife and and trevor and then like <clears throat> went to ellison i think that's a much darker and like more mean-spirited way of, of doing that right. but i don't know why part of me wants wants that to have been the case um but no i think it works really well i like the the like seeing all the kids like watching from the video and then seeing the kids kind of seemingly scared of Bagul and like it's not a good end for them that's another no, thing it's like no. their souls are probably rotting and <laughs> his stomach yeah yeah <laughs> so it's not like a good end for them either and now, it's a bad end all around. And I think maybe that's why I like it so much because yeah. I do enjoy me a good bad ending. Like they, mm -hmm. it, I feel like when they're done well, they're just so effective in the way they just leave you in that just wallowing pit of sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's, yeah, this idea that there was kind of nothing that could, nothing that they could do. Once Ellis had made the decision to move into that house, it was there was nothing them. that they could do and it was either going to be them or it was going to be somewhere else or mm -hmm. someone else but although i wonder if maybe family that didn't have kids mm. had moved True. in there True. they probably honestly would have been okay yeah he's like oh no i don't eat that sorry yeah he's like oh, i guess i'll hang out wait till you guys move out but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i think it's actually a a, a pretty successful ending for me and I, I think the reveal, obviously now having watched it and knowing everything, it's it maybe holds like less of a punch than it did. But I do feel like that reveal is nice of it having been the kids the whole time because that is the mystery. It's like, what happened to the other kid? What happened to the other kid? Yeah. And to find out that honestly, this whole time, Ashley or Trevor, his kids were the target. And I feel like that also just ties in so much to the fact that he was kind of negligent of them for this whole movie yeah. in this pursuit of trying to figure out what happened to somebody else's kid. He like totally overlooked the fact that his kids were 
Getting being possessed like at the tormented. Wazoo? I mean, Ashley had paintings on her bedroom of, of the hanging, the people hanging from the tree. And then like did a beautiful painting of Stephanie, actually. It's a very well done painting. Pretty, yeah. It was very nice. But yeah, it's like he just completely missed all of this happening in front of him because he was so focused on this mystery of these other kids and like didn't realize it was happening right under his nose. And it's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. And for um like Trevor and Tracy, they didn't deserve that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's got caught up in the whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you get for supporting your <laughs> your spouse. <laughs> There's a lesson to learn here. Get a real job. <laughs> get a job. Uh, but yeah, overall, it all worked. Of course, we got the little stinger Jump ending. Scare. Yeah. Which, you know, has to be there, but yeah. it is what it is. It didn't, the ending for me was good enough that, like, that didn't bug me. Um, yeah. I even actually enjoyed him kind of like picking her up and carrying her into mm-hmm. the film. I thought that that was cool too. Um, but yeah, overall, I just, I just think mood-wise, a very effective movie. Like, it, it's only been, like, a, around two watches for me at this point. But it's just, like, every time I watch this movie, it just thrusts me into its world. Like, I feel the dread, the mood, like, everything. The way this movie just, like, is, is steering my emotions left and right the entire time. Like, I, I am just a leaf in the wind when watching movies like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really enjoy that because it allows me to just kind of enjoy the experience of it while still like participating in the mystery and trying to figure out like what's going on. And yeah. like this whole figuring out this whole videotape super eight situation. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all that's left to do now is to rate this bad boy. I mean, mm. We could do it out of Super Eight films. Yeah, I mean Super Eight films. Are we gonna have that again? Cover a movie with Super Eight films, possibly, but will it be as effective as this one? Is to be seen. Um, <laughs> could write it out of glasses of whiskey. Oh, I mean, we could, but that one, I think, we will probably see again. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's let's go with Super A film. Let's just okay. uh, boys in boxes. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, you may have swayed me. I wouldn't be opposed to boys and in... boys and boxes. Boys and boxes, yeah. Okay, we can do that just in case. Just in case, just in All case, right. we want to keep the Super A films for something else. All right. we'll, we'll hold it. We better find a damn good Super A film to use mm-hmm. that one on. Um, but would you like to go first? Or you want me to go first? I can go first. All right. Hit um, me with it. I think I'm going to give this four out of five boys in boxes. Yeah, I, I, you know, upon a rewatch, I actually enjoy this movie more now than I feel like I remember liking it. Um, the Super 8 films are so good. They're the, something about the pacing of this, this film, I actually think is really well done. It's a little bit of a longer one, but it doesn't feel like that. I, I feel like the time passes by quite quickly and they did a good job of splitting the, t- the films up enough while still showing us enough so that you're invested in that. I do think that the way that we learn the information, the family dynamic, all of that is still in like complex enough that I am 
equally as interested in following that storyline as I am in following the mystery and the horror storyline of what has happened to these families. I think the only reason that it's just not higher for me is that the scares that are done outside of the films are to me not very well done and at sometimes kind of pull me out of the movie in a way that I wish that they didn't. Uh, I don't know if there's a way we could rework that or just maybe figure those out, finesse those a little bit more. I think what they did I with the ghost children was not the strongest way of maybe mixing them into the story. And at times almost read a little bit more comedic to me than anything else. But I think for some reason that was more irritating to me in the past than it was on this rewatch. Like I, it done, it didn't bother me as much as I remembered it bothered me. And so, yeah, I, I think that this movie was very well done. Um, it's a good story, has some really scary moments. I don't think it's the scariest movie ever made. I will come, I'll come out and say that. However, it does have some great thrilling moments and that jump scare with the lawnmower is like top 10 for me for sure so yeah four out of five um boys in a box okay okay i feel you um i also agree i i honestly don't know what the scariest film of all time is but i do not think it's this one um (laughs) But with that being said, I do still very much enjoy Sinister. And I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5 uh, Boys in Boxes. Um, I think a lot of these reasons I've already given, but I just think the acting is top-notch. The story's engaging. The sound design is phenomenal. The Super 8 scares are very effective. Um, there's just a visceralness, I think, to this story that just works for me um and it's a mood that i definitely enjoy and just all around i agree even though it's longer it does not feel like it i think the pacing is well done in such a way that it doesn't feel like a slog to me um the reason it's not five out of five is honestly similar reasons i think ghost kids and irl bagul are misses for me in the grand scheme of things um which is unfortunate because i think everything else is pretty terrifying so With those things notched off the score, I think a solid 4.5 out of 5 is where I'm going to end up staying um, for this, what some would call, scariest movie of all time. All right. Well, that is it for Sinister, and that is it once again for the Discord Decides of the Month. That's it. That's the only one. And then we'll do another one in March. But... Thank you, homies, so much for hanging out with us today. You can tell us what you thought of this movie. And if you think that this is the scariest movie ever made on our social media, we're homies of horror on everything. Or if you'd like to email us, we are homies of horror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. You can always come into our Discord as well if you would like to be able to vote for next month's Discord Decide. Uh, The link for that is in our social media bios. We would love to see you, homies, come through to chit chat with us and some other homies as well and if you're listening to this on monday that means that you're streaming on twitch tonight which is where we hang out have some drinks have some laughs and play some spooky games so if you would like to come through there say hello we would love to see you in the chat you can also find the link for that in our social media bios 
And last, but certainly never least, if you are so inclined, we'd very much appreciate it. If you leave us a rating or a review, you can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the better. It recommends our show to more listeners. And we just like to hear what you homies are thinking of the show. So if you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we'd love for you to. And then over on Spotify, it's easy to rate us by simply clicking the stars underneath our name. But that is it for us today, homies. Thank you for hanging out with us. Once again, happy Black History Month. We are very, very excited to shout out uh, some horror that features and highlights Black creators this month. And we will be talking to you, homies, next week for basically our very first Valentine's special episode thing. <laughs> Eric is so psyched for this. <laughs> excited so i'll be seeing you homies then i can't wait (laughs) catch you next time homies bye